Well, today uh, we're going to talk about work, and because it's Labor Day weekend, I know all of you are interested in knowing how we got Labor Day. Uh, well, Labor Day actually happened uh, as, it, uh, as kind of a, a movement of the people. And on September 5th, uh, ironically, September 5th, 1882, 10,000 workers took unpaid leave and marched the streets of New York from City Hall to Union Square to fight for labor laws, unions, and those things to help the working class. Because as America began to become more industrialized and more urbanized, uh, people working long hours for little pay, including kids, uh, long hours and little pay, and these workers were kind of tired of it. And so they took the day off without pay to march the streets. So 10,000 of them gathered and marched the streets. And so all across primarily the Northeast into the Midwest, uh, over those 10 or 12 years, starting in the 1880s, all the way to 1894, uh, every year, workers would take off unpaid leave and kind of march to celebrate the working person uh, in America and the productivity that we had to celebrate uh, the people and the ingenuity and the power that they had as employees. And so finally, in 1894, Grover Cleveland, the only president to serve two non-consecutive terms, you're welcome students, you can get that right later on a U.S. history exam or your government test uh, in a few weeks, uh, Grover Cleveland signed in a law officially making the first Monday of September Labor Day, a holiday uh, to celebrate people who work and the working class of America. And so today we get to celebrate that by getting a day off of school and most of us a day off of work. But the bigger question is, why do we need to work in the first place? Why should we work hard in the first place? Why should we be productive people? Well, that actually has its roots in the scripture. The reason why we should be productive people is because God designed us to be productive. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis... When God created Adam and Eve, uh, he gave them a task in the Garden of Eden. Their task was to work the land and to keep it. That's Genesis 2.15, which happens before man sins. So work has existed before the fall, not just in Adam and Eve, but also God. God worked. He's a creative God. He placed the heavens and the earth, the skies, the fish and the sea. He created humanity. And so God is a God of work and creativity. And he created Adam and Eve. He created each of us, his greatest creation, humans, in his image. And we're called to work. And that work is to be done so that we would bear the image of God that we would bear the image of our creator. Creative, productive, life-giving. The working of our mind, the, the skill of our hands. That we would be people who produce great and mighty things. And so how do we properly view work? Because after Genesis 2, for all you math majors, comes Genesis 3. 
And in Genesis 3, man does a bad thing and takes the fruit of the tree of knowledge. And sin enters the world and work was no longer fun. (laughs) Work was hard. Because prior to the fall, there was beauty and joy and partnership and collaboration with the creator. And then after the fall, God says, you'll toil. What a bad word. (laughs) Toil. It, It just sounds bad. It's a hard word, and so we'll toil. Our labor will be difficult. Everything in our world is more challenging because of sin, and work is on that list. And so how do we view work? How how do we see work in light of our relationship with God? How, How do we view work in light of being a follower of Christ? Because I know that my work doesn't earn me a place in heaven, And so how do I view work and and my goodness and my productivity? How do I view that in a proper and healthy way so that I can be an image bearer of God? Well, in Proverbs, we're going to be in two places today. Proverbs 12. So if you want to turn there in your Bible. And then later we're going to be in the book of Colossians. So kind of hold those two places. But in Proverbs, uh, Solomon, the wisest person to ever live, he he wrote these sayings, these Proverbs to help us kind of get an understanding of how life should operate. We we have every culture has proverbs, and, and these proverbs are not like set in stone. If this happens, then this happens. These are guidelines as Solomon thinks about how to live life wisely, how, how to live life productively, how to avoid the traps of the world. These are some things that we can glean based on our relationship with God. And so in Proverbs 12, there are two verses in here that kind of help us understand this idea of work. So in Proverbs 12, verse 11, it says this, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. That's pretty straightforward. Look at verse 14. For from the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good. And the work of a man's hands come back to him. And so these two passages are pretty simple, pretty straightforward, pretty easy to kind of comprehend. Uh, If I work, I'll have bread. If, if I follow worthless pursuits, I lack sense. Uh, Proverbs 28 uh, actually expounds this even more and says, basically, uh, if you work, you'll have prosperity. If you don't, you'll have poverty. So it's an idea of prosperity and poverty based on work. It's, it's not rocket science here today. But he says that if you pursue worthless things, vanity, you lack sense. You're full of nonsense. That's what lacking sense means. I have no sense. And so I don't want to be a person of no sense, of nonsense. And, And so what are the things that I pursue? What are the things that I put my mind and my effort to? 
And I'm going to encourage you today, I'm going to step on your toes as I'm stepping on my toes. Because we have a lot of opportunity to pursue nonsense, to pursue worthless things, lots of opportunity. And most of them are found in our back pocket or our purse. They're, they're found here. I, I, I was excited today because I wanted to preach this sermon blamelessly, which is, you know, hardly ever true. And every Sunday morning, I get a notification. You might get one too about your screen time. Praise the Lord, my screen time was down 41% this week. And so, which is probably not saying much. But, but as I think about that, if, if I were to dive a step deeper, and I want to encourage you maybe to dive a step deeper, because you can go into your settings and see what were the things on this device that grabbed my attention the most? Out of the 100% use this week, what took the most? I didn't look, but I can guarantee you the top three are Instagram, Maps, and ESPN. Those are my top three. I, I would just guess that. Down the list, probably sixth or seventh, is version. Do you know what that is? The Bible app, yes. Now, I have this that gets worn pretty well. But, but I wonder, how often are we susceptible to this idea of worthless pursuits rather than creative production? How often are we distracted by things that don't matter and God's calling us to, to a greater thing of bringing life and assistance to others? That we're just simply satisfied with getting it done so that we can move on to the thing we really want instead of working diligently for a higher purpose because God's called us to be image bearers. And one of the ways we do that is by giving all of what we have into what we do that produces life. It's not a worthless pursuit. One of my favorite phrases, my dad said it all the time and it's probably a generational saying, but I've adopted it. My boys have heard it a bunch. Good enough for government work. You might have heard that, especially if you're like me and, you know, middle-aged. That just pains me to even say that phrase. But good enough for government work, which means mediocre, which means okay, like, eh, close enough. No, as followers of Christ, nothing should just be eh, good enough. It's okay. It'll pass. No, the only place where I see that really coming to play is in the government, right? Because the government allows mediocrity a lot. And the church. Those are the two places in our world where mediocrity is okay. It's two places where it absolutely should not be. That we as people of God as followers of Christ should give everything we have in all that we have and that we should be producing 
and life-giving, that the fruit of our mouth, that the things that come off of our lips and the actions of our hands should produce things that are life-giving and creative and wonderful and a blessing, that our words and our deeds should be life-giving, not just good enough, not just okay. So whether that's your algebra homework or your assignment at the office, We should give all that we have. Whenever we're dealing with people and they're struggling and they're hurting, what are the words that we say? Are our words life-giving? Are they life-stealing? That's what it means to to give all to, to work. And sometimes those words come from our mouth and sometimes they come from our thumbs. When we post on social media, we're texting a friend, someone we claim to be a friend. And instead of breathing life into them, we steal life. That's part of this work as well, that everything I say and I do should be life-giving. That the work of my hands and the speech that comes from my mouth would bring satisfaction and wholeness to others. Because I'm an image bearer of God, and that's what God does. God gave all of who he is to us. He gave himself to us so that we might have an eternal relationship with him. And so our words and our deeds should bring life as well. There's a church in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago, that in 2014 decided to, to renovate this old dilapidated building that they had. And, and they, they really were uncertain of how to do this, but their area, the area where the church was, was rather depressed. There were a lot of people without work, and it was really a a difficult situation. And so they decided that instead of hiring a contractor and an architect and a a building group, a construction firm, they were going to manage themselves and bring people off the street to help rebuild, redesign, refurbish their facility. And so they hired 50 people, gave them a paycheck, they paid them, and taught them a new skill. Their pastor, who was the founding pastor of that church, said our primary way of trying to help people without hurting, that, that's an important aspect, without hurting those in need was to invite anyone who came looking for help to learn a new skill. Are we giving our skills away? Are we teaching others? Are we bringing life to others who that can be productive as well? Whether you're working now or you're retired, you still have the opportunity to give your skill and your gifts away to others. So to learn a new skill or to put their existing experience to work on this old building, this is the important part. Along the way, we realize that completing a day's work together seem to release a shared God-instilled purpose. Sharing a day's, completing a day's work together released a shared God-instilled purpose and created a natural context for forming relationships. When we work and we work together, God does a work in us and in others. He, He created us for relationship. And he created us to create together, to work together. 
But let me remind you that it's not our work that earns us favor with God. It might earn us favor with a few people in the room or in a classroom or at the office. We might earn some favor because we do well, but working hard and doing well doesn't earn us favor with God. God loves you the same whether you're lazy or not. And that's a trap that we fall into sometimes, that God loves us no matter what. And that we can't earn his favor, we can't work hard enough, do good enough, attend church enough, pay attention enough, do all the right things enough. We can't do enough to earn his love. No, his love is freely given, freely given to you and me. And his love is demonstrated to us by Jesus Christ, his one and only son who he gave on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin, to pay the penalty for our sin. Thank you, Adam and Eve, that had to make us work harder. But we bring it on ourselves, even if we didn't have Adam and Eve. We bring on sin ourselves because we're selfish and lazy. And so God sent Jesus Christ to die in our place, to pay the penalty of our sin, to give us brand new life, by faith, not by work, by faith. And so when you and I place our faith in Jesus Christ, we fully begin to recognize what it means to honor him in all that we do, to honor him in everything, because I now want to live my life in a place of gratitude and thankfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you saved me by faith, that you delivered me from sin and death by the cross. And so I put my faith in you, and now I live by faith in the world so that people will see the image of God in me. And so whatever I do, I do it to bring honor to you. I work diligently out of a heart of thankfulness. I pursue things that matter, not things that are worthless and full of nonsense. I speak words of life because I've been given life and I want to be a blessing to others. I've been created for good work and I'm loved and so I want to love others. And so our words and our deeds are a reflection of the love God has for us, not so that we can get God's love. No, our words and our deeds are a reflection of his love for us. And in the New Testament, Paul talks about that. So if you got your Bible open still, turn to Colossians. And it's that reflection of God's love for us that compels us. That's the root of my desire to work well. Is because I know God loves me and created me uniquely. And that he saved me from my sin. He loved me enough to die for me. And now I'm going to do all that I can to bring honor to him and to reflect that same kind of love to others. And so in Colossians chapter 3, I don't know if I said that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 Paul is writing, and he uses a word, and I think I've talked about it before. Uh, He uses a word that in our modern context sometimes has a negative connotation. It's the word whatever, because we're like, whatever, Uh, especially to end an argument. We say that, whatever, and that's like, okay, argument's over. (laughs) But but let's think about that word differently today. Uh, 
instead of whatever, let's say no matter what. So, no matter what you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. No matter what I do. So, whatever I do, I do it under the banner of Jesus Christ. I don't do it to promote myself. I don't do it to get the next step up in, in the business. I don't do it so my teacher will be nice. I don't do it to get an A, um, especially in our context, to be in top 10% or whatever it is. I, I, I don't work for that. I, I work under the name of Jesus Christ. The perfect name of Jesus. The perfect name of Jesus. The perfect one. And so I thank him for every opportunity to work. Hmm. Let that sink in for a moment. Thank you, God, for every opportunity to work. Do you do that? This is yes and this is no. Do you do that? No is the answer, because it's not true for me either. No. Hey, son or daughter, would you put the dishes in the dishwasher? Before you start clapping, parents. Hey, honey, would you change the sheets and wash them? Or my favorite, fold clothes, which is the most worthless thing in the world to do. Amen. <laughs> but do we thank God for that opportunity that he's given us hands and arms and fingers to fold those clothes and make them look beautiful and presentable, particularly if we have guests come over unexpectedly. They're not just all thrown on the couch, which is true all the time at my house because I have, well, now just two boys at home, but three boys most of the time. Do I, do I thank him that I get to go, go at 6 a.m. in the morning and drive across town and stay there for 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 hours and work with people who are not like me, who don't think like me, who don't have the same worldview that I do, that steal paper clips and pens And gripe all the time. Lord, Lord, thank you that I get to do that. So I, as I look at this, it, it's, we kind of have this broad scope. But yes, God created us for work because he wants us to be productive and creative. And he created us as creative people. But, but when it comes actually to where the rubber hits the road. And I have to get up this week, probably on a Tuesday morning and get dressed and go to class or to work or to deal with things around the house, I'm not so excited. Yes, God, you've created me for these things, but am I thankful in the work that I don't like that I have to toil in? 
It doesn't say the fun things of work. It doesn't say the creative outlets that you get to participate in. Do those under the banner of Jesus. No, whatever, no matter what. And that's where I have to constantly remind myself and we need to remind each other that I've been given a gift. The gift of life. The gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And in whatever I do, I do it under the banner of Jesus Christ. And that helps change my perspective because if I'm just doing it for me or to please my teacher or my boss or my spouse, mm, sometimes I'm going to be good at that, but most of the time I'm not because I'm selfish and so are you. But if I change my perspective in this concept of work and say, I do everything I do under this banner, then my attitude changes, my effort changes, my priorities change, my pursuits change, because I want to give thanks to God that he gave me the ability to work. And so every opportunity, whether that's algebra or athletics, that's accounting or auto mechanics, English or engineering, whether that's doing everyone's favorite, the dishes, or designing rockets. No matter what, I'm going to do it under the banner of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to thank him for that opportunity, even when I have to toil, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when I don't understand it, even when I don't want to do it. I do under that banner, not so that God will love me more, not so I can gain favor with my friends, family, teachers, coworkers, supervisor. No, so that I can reflect the image of God, the one who created me as his masterpiece to do good works. That's what I'd like us to do. None of us have gotten there yet. Let's strive to be image bearers of Christ in all that we do. Will you pray with me?